Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Tuesday night, everybody. Welcome to the show. Question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG story in the, uh, yeah, Loveline IG page story. Yeah, I got it right. Check that out. DMs, always open. Slide on into them. Got a good show plan that we're going to talk about how to be good at, how to be a good ally for the non-binary community. That's right. We are not free until we are all free. All levels of violence and oppression intersect. We want to support everyone. Also, we're going to talk about how to deal with loneliness as well as how to save your sex life. Uh, let's get into some news. Interesting stuff going on, though, over the past couple days. Sudan, they abolished death penalty and flogging for anal sex. Now, imagine that one, that there was a time, this was on the books, that, um, oh my God, you could get the death penalty or whipping, getting whipped as a punishment for anal sex, sodomy. But the government of Sudan is supposed to uh, pass a series of reforms. This is amazing. They approved new laws and amended existing ones, including the country's infamous sodomy law. So that's good news. Although, you know, political unrest doesn't promise that this is longstanding. Also, this is buried in the article, but they criminalized the barbaric practice of female genital mutilation. A lot of uh, male activists are saying, yeah, thank you. Let's stop circumcising because that is literally the penis owning person's version of genital mutilation, which it actually is. It does reduce pleasure. And so they're saying, why is that still legal? But that's another conversation for another day. But I love anything that's a movement towards human rights, civil rights, sex sexual health, body positivity, Hallmark Channel. I thought this bad boy was really hyper-religious and Republican. They're going to include two, not just one, two LGBTQ plus stories for the 2020 holiday. I don't have the Hallmark Channel. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I like that this exists. I also like the idea it's going to ruffle some feathers. Look, I'm here for that. That creates dialogue. That anxiety creates some change. I'm all about it. It also normalizes. I want one of those little LGBTQIA kids to be sitting there looking up the TV, seeing some gay queer love happening and going, oh my God, that's me. That's acceptable. That's okay. Look how happy they are. So I hope it's not performative and phoned in. I hope they actually have a real storyline. I hope it's not around the struggles of being gay. I hope they just happen to be gay happily and everyone accepts it. I love casual homosexuality where they just happen to be. And that's what I liked about the series Dead to Me, season two. The one character, out of the blue, she happens to be bisexual. How do we know? Because she was dating a dude, married, and then all of a sudden she falls in love and is dating the girl and no one says why or what or how or who or what's your orientation. No one's bothered. I love that. It's just casual. It just happens to be, just like heterosexuality. It's not that deep. It's not that unnormal. Also in the news, this was last week, a teen with ADHD was jailed for incomplete schoolwork during covid 
what the heck is going on? Yeah, some people need special accommodations. Not everyone can have the same standards set. Look, that's the one of the problems at school. Same rules apply to everyone. Everyone's the same. Uh, yeah, no, they're not. Not at all. We have to look at racism, classism, homophobia, neurodiversity. All your students don't have the same brain. They can't have the same expectations. They have a different psychology. Some are at home dealing with trauma and domestic violence. Others have parents that are alcoholics. Some have mental health issues and disabilities. You need to accommodate everyone differently. So yeah, the rules have to be different for everyone. That's unfortunate. And that's part of like some of the changes and reforms that need to be made is really meeting people where they're at, not people trying to force and struggle to meet generalized standards. Just can't be applied that way. Also, controversial YouTuber Jake Paul, God bless him. No idea who this kid is. Sounds like a hot mess. He was in trouble um, for throwing a party last weekend during COVID. A huge house party. That's not okay. Apparently, he's always causing trouble. But, um, you know, clips showed up. Of course, people are posting this. And uh, the mayor, the mayor in Calabasas, where it happened, Oh my gosh, she says they're having a large party, no social distancing, no masks. It's a big, huge disregard for everything that everyone's trying to do to get things back to functioning. She received a bunch of complaints and uh, she's outraged. And this is a mess. Let's not support things like this. I don't want us to shame everyone around this, but yeah, let's hold our friends, family members accountable. Yeah, postpone parties. Now's not the time. People are dying. People are getting infected. Things are spreading. Let's do better. Like, it really bums me out that we're just kind of still trying to progress on as though nothing's happening. That's that's not the truth. Also, new studies showing that COVID-19 does not discriminate by body weight. The claim that those with a higher BMI are at special risk of dying from COVID is grossly overstated. This is huge. And here's a quote. The rhetoric is based on flaw and limited evidence, which only exacerbates the stigma that larger bodied people face in our society and our healthcare system. That stigma is what truly jeopardizes their health, not the weight itself. Look, larger bodied fat individuals are constantly getting attacked. I'm constantly trying to challenge some of these articles written by dietitians, trainers, and therapists who do not understand the science. They are not all about true mental health and they're you know, perpetuating stigma. And uh, I keep hearing that. People keep talking about this. So I'm glad that this was written. I hope that more people see this. Um, Let's just, it's all about kindness and compassion and people don't look at the mental health implications. We just go right to the physicality of something and we don't say, well, wait a minute, hold on. Is it the stigma attached to that person's identity that might be creating the issue, not whatever it is that we're looking at that is stigmatized? Because that's sometimes the uh, the cause. Also, we know that correlation isn't causation. So, you know, again, let's let's do better. Let's Let's look deeper. More research to come. Coming up next, though, we're going to be talking about ways to be a better ally for those that are non-binary. Yep, it's on the rise. Not everyone's even familiar with what that is. So we'll also talk about what that is, but it's just about more care and compassion, more recognition, more recognition, more normalization. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, now we're going to be talking about one of those topics that... Um, Man, this definitely tends to trigger people, so we're going to enter this sensitively. So we're going to talk about how to be a good ally to people that are non-binary. Now, you might not think you know someone who is. They might be. They might not be comfortable coming out. 
And you will hear more and more about this and you will see more about this. And it's not necessarily that there's more people that are something. It's now that people are able to identify as such, feel comfortable and confident coming out as such, seeing more rights and normalization. So January, I'm sorry, July 14th, that came and went. That was International Non-Binary People's Day. And you know the whole purpose of that was to celebrate all the different ways that people can identify in terms of their gender. So let's just do a little slow moving education on this. There's gender and there's sex. Sex is tied to generally the outward expression of your genitals and um, male or female, but there's more than those two sexes. There are more than just male or female. People are intersexed where they are both. They are neither. You can't really tell. It's called un, uh, It's called ambiguous. Genitalia, our genitalia on the outside does not promise to match the genitalia on the inside, meaning you can have ovaries and uterus internally, but a penis outside. You can have a vagina on the outside, but testes on the inside, and so there's multiple sexes. That has nothing to do with gender. Gender is how you present and move through the world. The words you feel in terms of pronouns that are best applied to you, the way you prefer to dress, how you wanna be seen, two separate things. They used to be aligned, now we're aware of the fact that they don't have to be and aren't. Non-binary is someone who doesn't feel comfortable with being referred to as male or female. They don't live in the world as male or female. They are neither right? They're outside of that because there's hundreds of ways for someone to identify. Sex is the same way. Your sexual orientation is not just about the gender you're attracted to. So you're not just gay or straight or bi. There are tons of different ways to be aroused and to eroticize. And gender is the same way. So non-binary is a big umbrella term for someone whose gender identity doesn't sit comfortably with man or woman, male or female. Does that mean they identify as trans? Not necessarily, right? Because the trans term is people whose gender is not the same as the sex they were assigned at birth. And a lot of gen, uh, non-binary people sit outside of that. So I know that people are saying, these are so many terms, this is going over my head. So the baseline answer is, always approach someone not knowing, just based on what you think you can assume isn't always true, and we need to start asking. I say the same thing about sexual orientation. Just because someone looks, when you're looking at them straight, or a female doesn't mean you should assume that their partner will be male or a man, right? And instead we should start saying things like, do you have a partner? This is a very non, non-gendered word. And that makes the person feel safe and respected and you're acknowledging that not everyone's straight. Or you'll say things like, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend maybe? But again, that does leave non-binary people out of that, that question. So I always say to someone, if it's my business, do you have a partner? And I let them tell me the gender or their sexual orientation. That's how we get rid of the closet. Then no one has to come out of it because we don't have it. The closet's in place when you assume and speak to everyone as though they're all straight or they're all cisgendered, meaning the gender they were assigned at birth based on their genitals. So if they had a penis, we call them a man. But that's not true and that's not accurate. And it's more diversified than that. So why does this all matter? Mental health, that's why. The other person's mental health. And we all should be responsible for how we impact other people's mental health. So it's about care and compassion. And there ain't nothing wrong with trying to increase that. No, I'm sorry. Um, so we should all be in on this. And being an ally just means how can I help support different individuals that are marginalized and exploited, whether based on race, sexual orientation, body size or shape, mental ability. Gender's no different. And a lot of people suffer gender violence. So here's the ways that we can really help them. First off, when you introduce yourself, you can say your name and your pronoun. And that starts to remind people that it might not always be obvious or as understandable. And so you could say something like, hi, my name is Chris, and I go by he and him pronouns. 
which tells someone, oh shoot, I need to ask that question. I don't always necessarily know what someone's pronouns are, right? And that reminds you that there's more diversity, but also it leaves a space for someone to say, I go by they and them, which is now actually recognized by the APLA and the dictionary as an appropriate way to identify where they and them used to be plural, but now it's acceptable as singular for an individual to say, I don't go by he or she, I go by they and them, which is the non-binary version of, I don't feel comfortable, nor am I one of those two options only, right? And, it's, and I love that. I think it's beautiful. Also, putting your pronouns in your email signature or your social media profile. I've done that. I've taken it out. I, I, I also, I'm on the fence with that for myself because I don't really know where I sit with that for myself. Um, I like he and him pronouns, but I also don't like being called a man because what comes with that is a lot of toxic masculinity and a lot of limits. And so I really don't know what my preferred pronouns are fully, but if you do, put them on there in your, in your email signature, they and them. He and her, um, he and him, she and hers. It could even be he and they and them. Some people are comfortable with both, but just getting people talking about it, recognizing it, normalizing it, that's the work of being an ally, an activist. Just always expressing, always correcting people, standing up for people even when they're not in the room. That's what matters. So instead of talking to a group of people and saying, hey, ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, you say things that are more general. It's like, hey, folks, hey, everyone, because that says I recognize it in the audience. Everyone doesn't necessarily identify as a man or a woman. Right, and also not using Mr. and Mrs. titles. We can use the word MX. I love it. I love new terms and concepts. I love creativity and diversity. I love queering things. So instead of saying Mr. and Mrs., we say MX, which is maybe the more, not maybe, but it's the, the non-binary version of that. Love that. And those are the ways we just move through the world, normalizing, expressing, getting people familiar. It's also kind of like with mental health, right? I tell people, always ask someone how their mental health is versus how are you doing? They are impacted by that shifting in language and they realize something important's happening, right? So get more familiar and when in doubt, don't assume. Ask or refer to them by their name. If you don't know their preferred pronouns, you can say, oh, that person over there or Tina or Michael because we don't know what their pronouns are. Don't assume. And that will make the person feel respected. There's more of this coming. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about loneliness. Studies are saying that it hasn't been increasing, but they're wrong. It has been. I'm seeing it in my office. I'm seeing with all the people I'm talking to. I'm experiencing it myself. So again, I don't know who these studies uh, have been being done on, but not on people I know or in my world. Talk about that and then some DMage. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, question of the night, it's up on our Loveland IG page in the stories, weigh in on that. And then later we're gonna be doing a uh, some DMs. Yep, they're always open. Got some questions, thoughts, comments. Slide on in there. We'll be answering those for you. I love it. You know, it's how we learn stuff, get your questions answered. Can't always answer everything specifically, so I generalize, drop a little gems. I uh, hope you're also checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. It's every Thursday on all the radio.com handles at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. All the radio.com uh, radio handles, <laughs> Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Loveline. It's always podcasted, old episodes. Check them out, post them, share them, send them. It's on uh, wearechannelq.com and also radio.com. So loneliness. I was looking at a study and I was shaking my head the whole time. Remember, just because a study's done on something doesn't mean it applies to everyone or it's even correct or even universalizable. And I was talking about how they're saying, ah, yeah, you know, loneliness actually hasn't increased during this time. Well, that's not true. Clinically, with the people I'm working with, it 
absolutely has. It has in my life. It also has for my friends and family members. So I don't know where the study was done or who it was done on. I didn't take the time to dig into the population size or the samples because it didn't matter. That's not what I'm seeing. And that's actually not what us experts are worried about. We are worried about the increase in loneliness and the ways people are choosing to cope. And we're talking a lot about these different things and it matters. And so I was kind of like, what is this back backwards story? So remember that. Just because a research piece comes out, that doesn't mean it applies to everyone. It matters who the research was done on. Um, and we often will just say, well, a research piece was done on 500 men. Great. Where were they located? How old were they? What was their race? What was their body size? Because that matters. And that's not going to mean it can be applied to everyone. People are different. And so really know that. Studies are at best a starting point, but you can't apply that. Like, you know, there are different psychologies and that matters. Like, a, like all their intersecting identities are going to change their experience of what we're talking about and the questions asked. I mean, there's so much in it. So I'm not anti-science or research by any means, but it's a starting point. It's not applicable to everyone. And it often sets a norm. And then we think everything outside of that is then bad, wrong, broken, or pathological. And that's not true. It just means that things outside of the study are different. Studies showing us what's most common or traditional in this small sample size doesn't mean that that's how things should be and that's the right way. So know that. But loneliness is on the rise. And that's why we talk about connecting with people socially, three people a day, making eye contact with them. So we do that via FaceTime sharing pictures and videos because it's not safe to be around them. We're still social distancing, right? Like that stuff matters. But I don't want people to get, get, get to that point of loneliness. But what a lot of people are doing as a way to not have to cope is they're relying on things like a lot of drugs and alcohol. And that's what I'm seeing clients talk about, friends talk about, drinking early in the day, using drugs. Not that these things are inherently bad. It's okay to use things to cope that aren't ideal because we're in an adverse time. But over-reliance upon them uh, maybe getting an unhealthy relationship that then we take with us out of this time, those are my concerns. Some of the violence and poor decision-making that can lead or result from them, that's my concern. People not really encountering and dealing with in real time the issues or looking for other solutions, that's also my concern. Maybe sit with that loneliness or use it to reach out to someone. Don't just buffer it away, block it away, and get higher drunk so you don't have to encounter or face it. Um, maybe use that time to challenge yourself to build or reconnect with the relationships that you hadn't been, or you've been letting slip away. Learn how to tolerate maybe more closeness or intimacy. Pick up a hobby, whatever it is. But um, just don't, you know, pathologize. But uh, loneliness, yeah, it's happening. I want people also to get comfortable talking about it. I think some people feel bad when they say that, as though that means they don't have friends or. Or, or there's something wrong or off. And I know we're all, look, we all have people in our lives that are thriving and doing really great right now through all this. That doesn't have to be the norm or the standard. It's okay if you're doing poorly. And the more people that you'll reach out and talk to about that, right, and normalize that, the more that they feel like they're not unhealthy because they're suffering from that. So we're going back to this study, you know, they're talking about the limits of it. And they're saying, well, it was done online. So we can only reach out to people that had internet um, so people that are in a rural area or low income, they're not represented. And it's like, yeah, there's my point. Okay. So there's classism, some racism. So people that have internet and were able to access this and interested in participating, they had the time, they had the money like that. What, what they're suffering dealing with can't be applied to other people because these people might also have the time and the money to have a backyard pool or to go to a drive-in theater and they're able to stay busy and to go to the store and buy puzzles because the store's nearby and they can afford to buy one. But these people that don't have internet so they couldn't participate saying they are lonely might be in an area where they don't have access to a store or games or the money to buy. And so like, yeah, these things matter. And that's why I get so frustrated with these studies as though they act like we did something that can apply to everyone. Everyone could be held accountable to it. That's just not true. 
They also didn't look at people that are in nursing homes or assisted facilities who are currently, heartbreakingly, locked in their room, not allowed to socialize or see each other. I bet they feel poor. Uh, I bet those people feel lonely. Like, that's my point. Some of us are more disconnected and others aren't, and that stuff matters. And so, you know, the community you have around you, the technology you have access to, thereby being able to keep up with people, yeah, you're gonna feel less lonely. Where people that don't have internet or their internet's being utilized by someone else because they only have one computer, they're not, they are going to be the ones that are feeling lonely and they weren't the ones that are able to participate in the study. And so they are isolated as their child is using it for school and they only have one way to get on the internet or they don't have it at all. Like these things matter. So just be thoughtful about the studies and know that if you are feeling the loneliness, nothing wrong with that. All right, that's that for that. Question night, got some time to weigh in on that. Coming up next, we're gonna be sliding on into those DMs. Uh, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a lesbian. And I've been on and off with my girlfriend for about three years. I told her that I'm not ready for a relationship right now because I'm focused on my career. Recently, she got into an accident and I'm the only person she has in the area. So of course, I've been over there constantly. She feels now that I'm back in her life, that we might be getting back together. How do I tell her that that's not what's happening? By telling her that that's not what's happening. So again, these questions when someone says, how do I say it? By saying it. What you're really kind of asking is, how do I say it more comfortably or easily or without hurting someone? This was like last night's DM. You can't. You just do it. That's what these questions are. You tell her. Yeah. Um, I'm bummed out that you don't believe you can have a girlfriend and also focus on your career. You're, you know, focusing on your career doesn't mean 24 seven you're doing something like, so I'm curious as to why you don't feel like you have hours built into your day. Like I have a very busy career. I have a clinical practice. I do a live stream show, a radio show. I'm writing my next book and I'm in a long-term relationship and there is plenty of time. So I challenge that. So it might not be that it might just be, you're not interested in this person. And that's the reasoning you tell yourself for them. But how do you tell them by just telling them there's no special magical bullet to tell someone that. All right, here's another one. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm ready to go out. All right. I'm ready to go out to restaurants and have a real meal again, but my partner is so against it. We literally fight over it and it's so dumb, but I just feel like we can't hide forever and I'm still being safe, wearing a mask and have hand sanitizer on deck. Partner just won't listen. What can I do? Um, you go out to eat by yourself. I don't know. I, I don't agree with you. I don't think it's safe to socialize and go out. I don't. I think that there are the legal ability to do so because restaurants and people need to work and stay in business, but it's not the safest thing to do. And I actually support your client, your partner in saying, I don't feel great about doing that. So I'm glad you're ready to go out. I don't think that it's dumb and I don't think we're hiding. We're not hiding. We're following the rules. We're trying to stop a pandemic. People are dying. I don't think that's dumb and I don't think that's hiding. I think it's being responsible, smart, and compassionate. I actually think it's problematic that people are disregarding all of that for problematic reasons. I'm sorry. I don't agree with you. I'm glad you're staying safe and wearing a mask and have sanitizer, but I'm not going to support you talking your partner into doing something they don't feel safe or comfortable doing. If you do, you go. But I support them saying for now, we're following the rules and we're staying home. No one said it's safe to go. They're saying it's possible. It's legal. So the government's not saying you can't, but that doesn't mean it's a smart thing to do. You also technically can go hang out with family members and friends and, and do whatever, but that doesn't mean that's smart. So 
I don't know. Your partner's got my support. Look, I'm frustrated because things I want to do are literally legally not allowed to be done because people are still in, 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 you know, having to go out into the world. And so your partner doesn't feel comfortable. Honor that. Why is going out to eat so meaningful? Maybe cook something at home together, which is adorable, and go have a picnic and really follow the rules, which means be outdoors, not near crowds, in the open, socially distanced with people you live with. That's the rules. But at a restaurant, even masked up, you're still coming in contact with the server. They cannot completely sanitize everything you might touch. Your masks do come off while you're eating, and it's still a risk. And I know your partner doesn't want to be ventilated up or dying or having scarred lungs. I mean, like these things are real. So sorry, I'm a public health professional. I, I don't support us doing things that we shouldn't be doing. So I don't think it's hiding. I think you might be shaming your partner, and they're erring on the side of caution. So if you need to go, go but they don't want to and you honor that or you find a middle ground which is let's go do a picnic but um you want to minimize your risk we do want to support restaurants so maybe get takeout get delivery i'm all for that but i do support your partner you know and that's one of those funky things where people have different levels of trust or safety people are some people meet the risk the criteria for higher risk and others don't so so many cute things that you can do. Cook at home together. Get takeout. Go do um, a picnic. Because essentially, at least here in California, all the restaurants have to have tables outside. So you're essentially doing that anyway. Um, I don't know. But your partner's got my support a little bit. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to save your sex life. Sign the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris. And that's on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now we're going to talk about six. So work with a lot of individuals concerned about their sex lives. And uh, we've shared and talked about how, you know, right now is not the time to really take a snapshot of what's going on between you relationally or sexually and assuming that this is, you know, your new normal or how you're trapped or stuck. It's a special funky time. Just like when someone's pregnant or just had a child or lost a loved one or got a new job or whatever it is. These are moments that affect the totality of who we are, our psychology, our body, our relationship. So we want to be open to fluidity and movement, right? And that's why I like the idea of using this time and the ways that we get through this time as a transformative way to just be different so that we can encounter all the other difficult times because this isn't going to be it in the lifespan of any sex life or relationship. There's going to be phases where things are better or worse, more connected, more distant, more busy, less busy, more time, less energy, whatever it is. And so we have to have a healthier definition or understanding of sex. We don't have a good one. For instance, Often when we're talking about sex, we think penetration must mean penetration, genitals, penetration. No, sex is a big umbrella term. And now is a time to start to really understand, embody, and live that. Which means someone says we're not having sex. I help them realize they probably are. They're just not having penetration. And the question is, why do you have to be having penetration? If sex is really about fun, pleasure, and bonding, yes, please get familiar with different ways to do that because the penetrated partner might not always be able, interested, or wanting to be penetrated for a multitude of reasons. How they feel about their body, their health, their psychology, hygiene, whatever it is. And the person who's penetrating might not always be up for penetrating. They might also, you know, so just know that. So we start at that place, which is sex is so much more than penetration. Learn that now. As we age, as we go through life milestones, 
our interest in that will shift and change. So take penetration off the table and say, let's practice, embody, and live pleasure, intimacy, and sexuality in other ways and on other levels. You have to do that. I promise you there will be a time when that will save your relationship because one of you might not be speaking up, but one of you might be not happy with how things are going. And that is how we start to kind of save that. Then we move on to the next piece, which is amping up other levels. We don't have to, we don't, we, like, we don't have to do the same things in the same ways. There's such a diversification and creativeness that's available for all the things we do sexually. How can we take these non-penetrative sex acts and even change them up? When, where, how, why, when? All of that matters. All these little shifts and adjustments are what can add more newness novelty and kind of spike it up. So get out of the habits of the same time, the same place, the same way, because that's what we do. We get very habituated and patterned where we start the same way, we end the same way, it's in the same place at the same time. Start to practice, start to embody, start to live out that there are no right or wrong ways, places, times for these things to occur. Start to expand that way, right? So first we were expanding out of that sex is just penetration. Then we're expanding out of the idea that the other beautiful, hot, fun, sexy things that we can do, because we have these full total bodies and our entire body can be incorporated into sexuality, we can use toys, that we're even expanding outside of how we do those things, right? See how it's all about shift and expansion and growth. We have to challenge ourselves. Why are we so stuck in seeing sex only as this one thing in this one way? Why do I only let myself have sex in this one place? Why do I only let the same one or two or three parts of my body get touched or involved in sex? Break outside of that. Challenge that. Why do I not allow the use of toys? Why do I not have sex outside of this one room? Also challenge the perspective you have on everything because that's the third piece is that COVID doesn't have to mean that things are boring or depressing or stifling. We can use it to our benefit. We're now home more. We should have more time, maybe more energy. Maybe we're home alone. So now we have more privacy. Maybe we have less privacy. Maybe the fact that we have less use of certain rooms or spaces means we can try it in new rooms or spaces that we do have accessible that normally we ignore. Or maybe times of the day, now that we're home all day long, we can try it at other times or times of the day. I mean, that's the point. Use this, use what we might see as limits or negatives as benefits and enhancements. We're challenging everything. We're starting at a different place and a different way. We're ending at a different place in a different way. And all of these little tweaks and changes start to make it more fun, start to make it more desirable. Also, start to make it more honest. Ask yourself what you haven't been asking for. Ask yourself what you haven't been doing, right? So much more is accessible maybe to us now than it wasn't, that wasn't before. Because of that, we have more energy, more time. We're both at home or we have more room, more space, less space, whatever it is. Maybe our roommates are now gone. I mean, there's so many different pieces, but ask yourself, how can I capitalize on that? How can that actually be a strength or an asset, right? How can I switch this up? Look at the patterns. Look at your habits. Flip them. The way you do it, where you do it, how you do it. All these things are powerful, right? Because again, we get too patterned. Things don't have to be falling apart right now. Capitalize on that. Uh, question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page. So still some time to weigh in on that. It's always on our IG stories. And then our DMs, slide on into them on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, questions, concerns. Look, no topics off off the um, off the possibility. We uh, Anything psychological, anything relational, sexual, romantic, we're here to talk about all of it. Even that social justice stuff, you know, activism, something that's definitely in the wheelhouse. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q.
and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, now let's talk about quarantine bad habits. Yep, how to undo some of the bad habits we've picked up. Oh my gosh, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's an ongoing battle. The work is never done, right? I'm hoping that some people have had what we call post-traumatic growth coming out of some traumatic things like what's happening right now with some strengths and transformation on the positive side, but not necessarily. Sometimes we're coming out of this with some, you know, more negatives and uh, some things we need to kind of get rid of. So I understand everyone's under stress and everyone's trying to be at their best. So I am advocating for us to be a little more caring and compassionate with ourselves. And some of the advice I'm actually kind of really unhappy with and because um, I'm, I'm seeing far too much shaming around emotional eating. So I want to remind everyone, it's okay to do emotional eating. It's okay if you're having a rough day or dealing with some emotions that are feeling overwhelming to use food to cope, just like you're allowed to use sex to cope. You're allowed to use food or sex to self-soothe, to cope. Um, worst case scenario, what, you put on some weight? That's okay. You're allowed to put weight on. That is not a mental health issue, putting on weight. You're allowed to put weight on. It's not necessarily a physical issue either. You're allowed to be larger bodied. You're allowed to be fat. That is a personal choice. The issue for me around mental health is stigma. And so I want these authors to stop writing about the fact that we can't use food to cope. It's so shaming and it's actually incorrect. Um, we need to look at the work of people that really understand this, the health at every size movement, the non-diet dietitians. The studies are showing the bigger problem is the stigma, the mental health component, not, not the body weight. And again, you, that is up to you. That's a personal choice. My mental health perspective is you don't need to be shamed for eating food. If I've had a rough day, you better believe sometimes the best thing I can do to cope is to sit on my couch, put on a movie and eat some donuts. That's okay. That's not bad or wrong. That is not a sign of something unhealthy. And I'm really getting frustrated and burned out on these articles that are telling us we have to worry about our stress eating. So I want to call that out. That's okay. Now, what I do want to say is not, is, and you've heard, you're hearing me talk more about rest versus working too much. And that is one of the things I want you to think about. Some people are overworking right now when they should be resting and healing. And this overworking is a way to numb out, to not have to feel things. And on one level, that's acceptable. Distraction's okay, but I don't want people to be burning themselves out. I don't want them to be working so hard that they're not able to really check into some of the restful benefit things that can come out of this time. Also, drinking talking way more about that because I am concerned with how much drinking is on the rise. So I want people to focus on moderating their alcohol. Why? It's toxic for every system in our body. It also doesn't lead to good restful sleep and it can become a maladaptive coping mechanism. It's associated with a raise in domestic violence and general violence and poor behavior choice. And so I want people to ask themselves, you know, what's my relationship to alcohol right now? Alcohol is not inherently always bad. It's okay to have alcohol involved in your life. There's been times in my life where alcohol has been part of that. Alcohol is part of a lot of, you know, social things, but I want us to be very thoughtful about not using it to a point of creating problem or issue or having an ongoing unhealthy relationship that we have to do a lot of work backing up from. So I am, you know, getting a little concerned when I'm seeing people talk about drinking starting early in their day. Now we also want to talk about exercise and movement. I want people to be exercising and moving, finding forms of movement you love. Do it five days a week at least, up to 30 minutes. That's good for us. But it is okay to skip workouts. It is okay to rest. It is okay to have downtime. It is okay to maybe say, you know what? I'm not gonna exercise throughout this entire time. I'm gonna move my body 
dance maybe, more walking, but I'm not gonna focus on what I was obsessed with before. I'm gonna back away from feeling as though I have to have a certain body type and participate in gym culture to feel good about myself. And so again, you can skip workouts. It's okay, now it doesn't have to be the time that you're obsessed with your workout journey. And again, I'm problematizing articles that are obsessed with that, like that's a mess. I want people to learn good coping mechanisms and good habits, self-care, things that leave us feeling better off, coping mechanisms that also leave us feeling better off. But it doesn't have to mean you can't eat foods that are sweet or junk foods. It doesn't mean you can't be baking. It doesn't mean you have to be you know, obsessing with your push-up challenge or whatever it is. That might be actually a maladaptive form of coping. What could feel like a good habit could actually be the bad habit. So undoing bad habits might mean moving away from this idea that you have to come out of this looking a certain way physically or with a certain kind of diet. Go easy on yourselves. I'm more worried about the smoking. I'm more worried about the drinking and the drug use. Those are the things I'm concerned about. People not resting and healing. People coming out of this overburdened. People coming out of this with COVID because they're not social distancing. So use this time to connect socially and repair those relationships. Use this time to sleep in and nap and focus more on rest and pleasure and not work. Use this time to say, how can I focus my downtime on things that bring me joy and I have passion towards, right? Like that should be the bulk of it. Let me do more journaling. Let me do more reading. Instead of, let me skip some workouts, some gym workouts, and instead work out my brain by reading and journaling and focusing on that. Maybe I can reconnect and rebuild my spirituality, right? I love that. Uh, that's a missing piece in, in psychology often as well. We focus a lot on the emotional and psychological, but we don't talk about the spiritual. And that is a very, very mentally supportive part of resilience and emotional health. Believing that there's more to the world than just you. Realizing that we're all interconnected with collective consciousness, right? Realizing that we can't d damage animals in the environment and that that does have a direct impact on us and vice versa, right? And really reorient your relationship to money, and consumerism and materialism, which show to decrease our mental health. The obsessive pursuit of money and objects and career advancement actually takes, away, takes us away from mental health because it removes us from what is mentally healthy, which is relationships and passion and joy. And that those things are fleeting. And that after a few months of those enhancements, what they, what they gave us that was a benefit actually level off. And they don't provide that spike of excitement and adrenaline and confidence building. That it's actually a fragile source of self-esteem and self-worth. Because those things don't last and they can leave us and we can lose them. They're not sustainable, right? And so we don't want to tie our worth and our value and our identity to them. Because we don't always get to keep them and have them. Those are the things I want people to think about. You know, what is, what is my, um, what are my ethics rooted in? Right? Where's my joy and happiness? What's my confidence tied to? That's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that's sustainable. So do that kind of assessment, more journaling, more self-reflection. That's what I want the time to be centered in, right? More time with your family, more time with yourself. Question of the night, it's up on our Love Line IG page. So we're gonna be doing that when we come back. So still some time to weigh in on that. And then of course, we'll be closing out with some DMs. So uh, they're always open, slide on in there, you know, answering your questions, dropping some gems. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time for question of the night. Tonight's question is about a dad. He wrote in anonymously to Reddit. He explained that he broke up with his girlfriend. He also explained that his daughter, who's 17, is a pretty popular IG star making money on her own, enough to afford college. His girlfriend wants to be an IG model too, but isn't as successful, causing jealousy and tension. This ultimately led to a fight as the dad took the daughter's side in the argument. They broke up, but the dad wants to know, 
after the daughter told the ex-girlfriend to get a real job. Is fighting over Instagram fame a legitimate fight? Do you have any stories where you fought with a friend or partner over their Instagram fame? Oh, Instagram fame. Our worth and value as a person tied to how many likes we get on our posts. I got trapped in that for a hot minute. We're kind of made to believe you have to. That's your branding. And then I realized, you know what? That takes the fun out of social media. I'm going to post what makes sense to me. And if you're interested, come check it out. And if not, don't, don't comment, don't post, bounce, whatever you need to do. But uh, it's not about the likes. Most of the people who I find the most meaningful or valuable have the smallest followings. That's how culture works. What we prioritize are things that I actually don't find very mentally healthy. What kind of gym body you have, how much money you make, things that aren't meaningful. And so the people that get the most followers are people like the Kardashians that play into that. It's not healthy, it's quite toxic. So the people with the big followings are the ones that are usually participating in problematic cultural norms and values that aren't rooted in mental health. And so the people with smaller followings that are really doing the important meaningful work have smaller followings because people that really care about working on themselves is a smaller sect of our population. It bums me out. Like I said earlier, I wish people were focused more on their mental health versus their physical health. I wish people would take a day off from the gym and do some therapy, self-reflection, read some self-help books, journaling, whatever the work might be and focus more on that. Um, so question of the night is, is fighting over Instagram fame a legitimate fight? Do you have any stories where you fought with a friend or partner over their Instagram fame? Everyone wants to be an influencer, which means basically none of us are. All right, someone said, if it's a source of income, then yes, it's a real job and should be taken seriously. I'm taking the girlfriend side. Yeah, I don't think it's not a real job, quote unquote, but I think what drives it and what it's rooted in can actually be some toxic stuff because it's about giving people what they want and what they want isn't always necessarily tied to what's right or healthy or what's good for you. And I've seen people get really kind of tied up in it in a problematic way. Um, yeah, not really have a great uh, outcome. Someone else said, nah, it's not a legit fight. How can you fight over something that's not real? I appreciate that too. Somebody else said, uh, my best friend tries to be an influencer and it's just funny to watch her overthink things. We've gotten into fights because it's annoying how many times she has to do things to get a good shot. Ah, see, there it is. That's what I mean. You change well, it actually changes the goal or point of your life. Like if you're out for dinner and you're like, can we just have fun at dinner? And they're like, no, I've got to take some time out of this and exhaust ourselves trying to get a good shot of what I'm eating or where I'm at or over concerned with what you're wearing. So I could see where it gets exhausting. It gets in the way. Like, let's just have fun. Let go. Like, let's not care about the posting and all that. And even people that aren't trying to be or aren't influencers or don't have big followings get really hung up in that. Where again, I think the fun's gone. Social media just used to be a way to share what's going on in our lives, to learn about what's up with others, keep up with them. And now it's about making sure all the pictures look good. Some people curate the templates. So everything has the same color story or, and it's like, Oh my God, it's not really more. We're worried about the posing and the lighting and the editing. And it's like, it just used to be fun. And we just used to post on the fly and it didn't matter how many people liked things. And we didn't have to worry about analytics and the fun was removed. And now I, I think it's kind of lost its way, but yeah, for some people it's a job and a career and yo props, do your thing. But Sometimes, uh, I don't know, I, I, there's a lot of mental health stuff woven in. I, I'll get into it another time. Somebody else said, question of the night is, is fighting over Insta-fame a legitimate fight? Do you have any stories where you fought with a friend or partner over their Insta-fame? Someone said, my best friend tries to be an influencer. Uh, oh no, sorry, someone else said, the daughter needs to get a real job as well. Oof, they can, fl they can flip this off with a simple tap to a keyboard and poof, there she goes. She won't be relevant once her beauty and fame is old. See, that's a good point. You know, the ability to be an ongoing influencer, that's quite fragile and questionable, right? So many things can change that. Um, Instagram analytics, someone younger, someone newer, it takes a lot of work. It's not promised. And I agree with you. It, it can really 
come and go very quickly. That's the thing, right? When our self-esteem or our worth is tied to something that's not really sustainable and is very fragile, that's where my concern comes in, right? Not not the um, not the vehicle that leads to it per se, although sometimes that matters. Again, question night is over Instagram fame. A father, a father and a daughter fought, and uh, <laughs> the father's girlfriend wanted to be one, got in a fight because the daughter is, and uh, what are we weighing in on that? Have you ever gotten one? Someone says, I think anything that generates legitimate income, as in the case of the daughter, is fair. I agree with that. I love the idea that people can work from home. I also like the idea that everyone now is competition. Singers as well. You can create music from home. You can put it up on Spotify and other platforms, and other musicians now have true competition. I'm here for that. Same thing with artists and writers. We now can self-publish, put our work up on our social media. True talent will reign supreme. If you got the goods, you don't got to worry about competition, right? And if you actually back out of trying to be popular and influencer and just do what you love, see where it goes. Someone else said, I just don't know why the dad wants his daughter to be an IG star and gets a girlfriend who also wants to be an IG star. What does he want? Bam. I like it. He's the common denominator. He's he's the focal point for all this IG-ness. Finally, we'll end on this one. Someone said, what a freaking world we live in. Bam. Ain't that a way to close that out? I know. Crazy times. Technology. Everything becomes a job. Some people are thriving and doing good stuff. Some people's social media is just a great source of community building, education. So I'm here for that. All right, coming up next, slide into those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. All right. This one says, I've been in this depression for a few months now. Kind of started to happen before COVID, but now it's getting worse and worse. My parents think that it's just because of COVID, but I think it's deeper than that. I just don't know how to get to the bottom of it without therapy. Are there any exercises I could do on my own to figure it out? No, Um, I I want to advise you to find therapy. There are sliding scale, teletherapy is available. Um, If it's getting worse and worse, I don't want to give you the advice of just going on the journey on your own. There's no quick exercises that I can just throw out there that can help anyone or everyone. And so I really want to support you getting into therapy. I I don't want to set you up to fail or for things to get problematic without someone having your back. I think everyone should be in therapy at some point, if not ongoing, I really do. So no, please reach out. I don't want to just tell you to do some exploration. There's some basic things we could do if it was more generalized depression, but you're saying it's getting worse and worse. And so please do reach out and get some therapy. Um, a lot of great local resources. So do some Googling and please get yourself into therapy. This next one says, hi, Dr. Chris, hope you're staying safe and healthy. I am, I am because I am social distancing. I am wearing my mask. Uh, I'm not going around high risk people or places. I'm focusing on nutritious foods. I'm focusing on rest and sleep. I'm putting my mental health before all else. I'm finding joy in self-care every single day. So yes. Uh, Question is, I wanted to know how you feel about open relationships during COVID finding myself sexually frustrated, but then frustrated in general because we can't even go out. Is there a way to stay safe? Yes. I want people to be sexual right now. I want people to be romantic. I want them to date. I want them to be open, but we can't do it in real time. Because remember, sex does not have to be done face-to-face. Sex does not have to involve touch. Sex does not have to involve our genitals. Sex does not have to involve penetration. So yes, you can be finding love and romance and sexuality while honoring social distancing. I am advising people, please do not have sex that involves touch in real time face-to-face. Some people are battling me on that. And they're saying, well, you know, you get to choose the risk you do. But when we're in a pandemic that is spread, everyone's impacted by your sexual relational choices. So please, 
get more creative and more mature around sex and, and relationality, knowing you don't need to be face to face and we will survive going this length of time without real time touch and sex. Have sex via technology. Look, sext, send dirty pictures and videos. Get on FaceTime, have sex remote via FaceTime. Boss some of those if you've got the money, those funky gadgets where we can work the vibration and the toys from a distance. But we can still be going on dates, distanced. We can still have sex without touch and our anatomy involved and penetration. That is part of sexual health in general. As we talk about all the time, there will be times where we can't have sex the way we want. There will be time where our genitals won't be doing what we want. There will be time where penetration is not available or pleasurable or safe or comfortable. And we want to expand that. People can be finding love and sex right now. I am in a long-distance relationship. I am learning how to be romantic and sexual from a distance. It works. We have to do that right now. And so be in an open relationship right now. Have multiple partners and multiple relationships from a distance. If you need some real time, you meet up wearing masks outdoors, six feet apart, in the open, spend some time, laugh, smile, do your thing, and then go home. And that has to be enough, and it should be enough. And right now, it needs to be enough. So please look out for the impact you have on everyone else in that decision-making. But there, again, like I said, there's no reason we can't get some sexuality going. Use technology. Thank God we have it. So do your thing. And as soon as it's safer to go out in the world, whether that's via vaccine or us finally following the rules and us stopping this thing, then you can add on these other layers of intimacy. But right now, you're going to front load the emotional and psychological elements of romance, relationality, and sexuality, and the physical pieces, the touch pieces, which are very important, just can't be accessed right now. But luckily, they don't need to be, okay? So the answer is yes, you can. Do your thing, but stay safe and healthy because everything we do right now, all the choices we make impact other people and it matters. All right, y'all, that is our DM. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. We'll be back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. As always, our show is podcasted at wearechannelq.com and radio.com. And Thursday nights, check out my show I'm listening live at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, also on all the radio.com handles. And you can check out past episodes there as well, the radio.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Experts, celebrities talk about mental health and COVID. It's awesome stuff. So please check that out. Put my little heart and soul into that. Also pick up my books if you want to read Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love. They're also on audio. I read Rebel Love. You can hear me. As always, thanks for hanging out, y'all. And you have a beautiful, beautiful night.